Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts Lucy Davis and Benjamin Holden. Today's episode is sponsored by Coro and we have some newness today. The, I, I've obviously put it in my jar, which Ben hates. Ben hates I don't hate jars. it. I don't hate it. Ben, okay. So this one. That's just awkward though. Like <laughs> who, just, wait there. who puts bitten out of that. Who puts chocolate bars in jars? No, Nobody. It's broken up pieces of chocolate. Okay, so this one's a dark chocolate cranberry, and I've been putting a slab on top of my oats. You can imagine the deliciousness when it just melts and sinks into my oats. I'm gonna eat it off mic because of that. Cranberry. These, these are the best ones though. These are the salted caramel covered almonds. These, the, what are these out of seven? Well, that was full, literally maybe a week ago. Yeah. And you just, you nailed them. Yeah, these are great. I say they're like a six out of seven, which is a strong choice. Thank you very much for Coro for sponsoring today's episode. Mm. You can visit the link that will be included in the descriptions and use the code NOTSOFIT5 to shop. But in today's episode, we have a very special guest in the form of Naveen. Naveen Cavell, hopefully I'm saying your name right, sir. He's a plastic surgeon from London. He is the owner of a page called Real Plastics and the clinic Real Plastics. In today's episode, we touch on a number of topics that we still think are a little bit taboo and Nav opens up about breast implants, the advantages, disadvantages, loads of crazy different plastic surgeries and how he talks about do you need therapy or do you need plastic surgery? Along with a whole host of other topics and how social media has impacted the plastic and the cosmetic surgery world, please continue to share. And if you have any questions at all on today's podcast, please feel free to drop it in the YouTube section because Naveen will actually be answering some of the questions in there. Enjoy. So Naveen, thank you very much for for diving on the podcast today. We really appreciate your time. We know that you're a, a very busy guy. Yeah. Can, can you just give us a bit of an insight into to your business, Naveen? Because I obviously know a bit about you, um, but I know people are super interested in this in this topic and this discussion that we're having today. And we've had a lot of interesting questions from, from our listeners. So, um, yeah, no, thanks for having me. Um, I'm uh, Nav Kavale. I'm a plastic surgeon based in London. Um, so I kind of do lots of different things as a plastic surgeon. I do reconstructive surgery in the NHS. I do cosmetic surgery privately. I do a bit of charity stuff. I run a hospital, this place I'm sat in at the moment, which is our, our new place um, down here in London. Um, teaching, yeah, lo- loads of different hats. Um, and, um, you yeah, know, just glad to be here and happy to talk really about any of that. Amazing. One of the things I noticed from your Instagram because that's where we first started chatting was there's a a statement in your bio which talks about safe and natural results can you kind yeah. of explain what that means yeah so I mean any proper plastic surgeon cosmetic surgeon whatever you want to call us will um, put safety at the forefront it's a bit like a good airline will always sell themselves on the basis of safety you know we check our airplanes we maintain them we change them regularly we train our crew properly all of that stuff so there's a whole show that goes on with surgery in the same way that there is with i don't know flying it flying a a commercial airplane Mm -hmm. and so one of the things that 
I really try and push out there, but it, it's not the most interesting thing really to sell, as it were, because that's not what, what people want to hear. But that's what they should be listening to, is that, look, you're coming to me, you're having, you know, full-on surgery. It's not... Um, it's not like just having a haircut or a manicure. Safety-wise, it's just paramount. We, uh, whether you want it or not, I think if you're gonna have something done by a person like me, invasive surgery, one way, you know, it's not returning back to how you were is difficult. You can't necessarily wait for your hair to grow out and try again and go to a different, a different shop. Um, so I think it's such an important thing to emphasize doing it safely, doing it properly. And it's such a difficult thing to get right. Finding um, a proper surgeon to operate on you um, is a minefield out there. And even in a country like the UK, you think, you know what, we're set up. We've got it all um, all regulated properly. No, we really don't. And if you, if you, look, at, um, if you look at the non-surgical side of things, Botox, fillers, it's a total cowboy country out there. Mm -hmm. Anybody can inject fillers into you. You guys can inject fillers into me. That's okay? terrifying. Anyone, anyone. The thought of that. So, so, what, so what kind of qualifications. qualifications do you need to be able to do that? None. None. Wow. Okay. If I am stupid enough to let you inject me with filler, Botox is different. Okay. Botox is a drug and drugs are different. So you can't prescribe me um you know codeine say okay yeah. Yeah. it's a prescription drug or um i mean there's certain you can buy certain things over the counter without a prescription but actually most drugs need a prescription antibiotics you know whatever specialist medication filler is interesting it's different it's an it's a device it's what's called a medical device so a breast implant also by the way is a medical device but it's a bit difficult for someone like you to insert a breast breast implant into someone because you need the whole setup and yeah. the patient being asleep in a hospital you know so but filler is just you buy it in a syringe you can get it off the web from china or wherever there's all sorts of black markets out there for this stuff and then you've got this syringe and yeah you can and if i as an adult consent to you doing it then yeah, it's legal. You but you know, there's, and then you can do whatever you like. You can bodge it. You can do all. There's all sorts of really bad things that can happen with filler if you inject it in the wrong place. You can block blood vessels. People can go blind. Um, all sorts of things can happen. So, so that yeah. So coming back to the safety thing, that's why it's so important to to just make sure you are in safe hands. And it's really difficult. I wish I could say yeah, don't worry about it. Just make sure you do this, 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 and this. Um, and you'll be fine. Um, it's not quite that straightforward, but there is a minimum, you know, go and see a properly qualified doctor, surgeon, go to a premises that's regulated. So this clinic is regulated by what we call the CQC, the Care Quality Commission, a government thing. They will, you know, close us down if we're too dirty. If I'm operating wearing my watch, the mm. clinic was yeah. closed down because that kind of stuff was happening on Harley Street. Um, you know, so you'll, you'll see it all the time on, on Instagram. If you see it, if you see someone injecting Botox or filler wearing a suit, you know, that, that's dodgy. I, that's why you wear shirts, uh, short sleeves and we're bare from the elbows down. I take my watch off, I wash, wash my hands, I wear gloves. Um, the premises are cleaned and checked regularly. So it, it, it's really difficult to make sure that you're in the right place. But, but you know, if you find a doctor that is, you know, of course, I'm going to say someone like me. Um, <laughs> But if you find someone like me, the things that make me 
okay, I would say, or safe are, you know, I, I've trained for years and years and years. And, you know, I became a doctor in 95. I became a surgeon in 2000. I became a plastic surgeon in 2008 and a consultant plastic surgeon in 2009. And I've been doing it since. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. So I've been doing it for a long time. I have all the right qualifications, you know, for uh, I've lost track, three degrees and, and some diplomas, so lots of letters after my name. That isn't in itself, you know, doesn't mean much, but I'm insured, you know, properly. Yeah. So if you do have to sue me because things have not gone to plan, I have an insurance policy that covers yeah. up to yeah. 20 million or something, you know, um, which again is not possible if, um, if I need to correct something because it's not quite gone to plan first time and we need to tweak it i've got the means to do that i'm not just going to go and say sorry not my problem you know if you have to phone up in the middle of the night because there's an emergency there's a number there's a that if um uh and if um if you are going to have surgery i'll make sure you're close by i tell i tell people don't go far away fly across back to the middle east or something within the first four weeks of surgery so there's loads of things that you can ensure I'm a member of all these associations, British Association of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons, and then there's yeah, there's a whole load of them. There's a, t- a tick list that we give you that maybe we can put in a in a in a you know some kind of list somewhere possibly for people to find on, via your podcast. Yeah, um, there's there's lots of checklists and things that we could talk about. But anyway, I've rambled a lot. A lot that's okay. No, no, that's, great. that's fine. Um, just in terms of the safety thing as well, because I think a lot of people were curious that as surgeons and doctors you have a duty of care over the patient and have you ever told someone that you don't think it's appropriate of what they've asked for but have you done anyway or do you turn patients down when they've asked for something? um, I turn people away all the time. I'll I'll turn one or two people away today. Okay. Yeah, it's it's, uh, 10% probably. I'll just go, look, this isn't right for you. Or, yeah, you can have it done, but are you sure? Yeah. Or, yeah, I can do this to you, but I'm really not sure you're going to handle it very well. Or, And it's a really difficult thing to suss out. So that's where I've got to be a bit of a psychiatrist or a therapist or a brain surgeon, as it were, because I'm trying to get into someone's head and work out. So, you know, you might come to me saying, I want really, really big breasts. I want to have the biggest breasts in the world. And I was going, look, that's just stupid. Don't do that. Okay. I, and I, I'm not going to be associated with that. So that's not something I'm happy doing. So there's a two way agreement that has to be come to, you know, I've got to be happy operating on you. You've got to be happy allowing me to operate on you. Or if you say, look, I want you to give me, you know, weird horns or something. This is just totally out of, out yeah. of what I would normally do. Then there's look if I, I really don't like my nose or my face or my this or that or the other if i can just have this bit fixed you know what everything else in my life will be sorted i'll be able to find a partner i'll be able to get a better job i'll be rich i'll be famous everyone will love me and i go life doesn't work like that you know yeah. it's not it's not all right if you if if everything depends on your nose something's wrong so no let, i can make your nose better or smaller or this or that or the other but that's it i'm just changing one part of one part of your body i'm not changing your entire life so be careful you know my, my partner's run away with somebody and i want to get them back mm-hmm. so by, by having a makeover or something it probably wasn't the only issue life is more complicated so are you sure and i will say look no i'm not agreeing to operate on you 
but I can. Okay, and you could have this done. I did this to somebody yesterday. I saw, and um, and I said, look, you can have this done, but actually, it's a little bit more complicated than you probably thought when you came in. Um, it's not just having breast implants put in. You might want to have an uplift as well. That's involved more scars, more risk, more costs. Are you sure? Because you're still quite young. And by the way, if you have this done, there are consequences. You might not be able to breastfeed. You may not be able to feel the sensitivity in the nipple area. Actually, that might be something that's important for you because you've not had kids yet or, or whatever. Are you sure? So no, not going to operate on you. But why don't you go away, have a think about it. Um, and then come back and we can talk again. And that's really, really, really common. And good surgeons will do that all the time because I actually I don't want to operate on someone and then they come back and they're chewing my ear for the next six months a year and actually I don't have an easy way of fixing it because we kind of went down this route that wasn't quite right for them and coming back as I said is really difficult yeah I think with that as well one of our listeners had said I think this was just their suggestion because they from a very young age I think she was 17 she had breast implants and she had the suggestion of what you said there. Where is the line of, does this patient actually need therapy or do they need or do they need surgery? And yeah. would, I don't know, would you have a mental health specialist in the room to talk with the client and ensure everything's, you know, okay? You don't have them in the room because most of the time, most people, especially who come to me, have done a bit of research have thought about it. People are actually more sorted than you think, I reckon. Mm. Um, we don't necessarily need to to look after their mental health to the degree that people might think we should. Actually, I think a lot of people, I'm amazed by my kids being as sorted as they are, you know, 16-year-old, 14-year-old. They're way more together than I ever was at that age. Um, they're, I don't know, they're just, they're just a lot more grounded and exposed to stuff and 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 just worldly wise because of all this kind of stuff you know we're now yeah. so much more connected as, as, a, as a species um that i think people understand each other better but yes for, for a 17 year old i operate on anyone that's younger than 18 they've got to be an adult or above operating on an 18 to 22 year old in my mind is always potentially dodgy because you know, you're an adult at 18, but 18, 19, you're just a teenager, mm. you know, um, and, and so you're not that grown up. And actually, your body is still changing anyway. Breasts don't stop growing until around about the age of 22 on average. So if you think your breasts are too small or, or they're just maybe one is bigger than the other, actually give it until you're a bit older before you commit to doing something permanent. So... Um, someone who's young, and I do have kind of two groups of people. I've got the young and I've got the older. And I call the younger group are sort of 20s, let's say, early 30s at a push, yet to have kids, yet to you know live life potentially, um, yet to kind of find their place in the world mentally, um, psychologically, and they're still potentially changing and, and going here and there and exploring. And then you've got the older group who perhaps are 35 onwards, have completed their family, have, you know, kind of realized that they've lost something that they used to have. I used to be quite happy with my body. I really liked it. And now after kids, my breasts have emptied a bit and they've drooped and they're just not quite the same. I just kind of wish I could get a bit back of what I used to have. Um, and it's not like I want to have the most amazing body in the world. I'm not that kind of person. I just want to kind of feel a bit better 
in myself. And I'm not doing this for anyone else. It's all about just for me. When I look at myself in the mirror, I just don't quite like what I see anymore. And I, I get that, you know, I, I'm 53 and I, you know, I'm way beyond that stage, but I, it's not bothered me particularly. Yeah. I'm quite happy. Um, apart from taking some stuff from my hair, which I started losing and it used to bug me, it kind of grew, grew back actually, which I was lucky. Um, <laughs> apart from that, I've not done anything actually, never had Botox or fillers or anything, but I get it when people say, look, I just kind of want to feel a bit better in myself. And that's the healthiest place to be when it comes to cosmetic surgery or Botox or fillers or all the other treatments is you're doing it for you. You're not doing it to please your partner or show off or compare your mates and sometimes the younger group the 20s group that i was talking about um and this 17 year old that you mentioned um perhaps haven't had time to think about it so what i will do is rather than having someone in the room with me because that's just not practical um, uh, um i will send them to speak to a psychologist or a psychiatrist okay. or yeah. if they already have issues and they are seeing someone, I'll say, look, make sure that your therapist, your psychologist is actually okay with you doing this because mm -hmm. they know you better. I only met you 10 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really know you and I don't want to start saying, yeah, you'll be fine, don't worry about it because that will be lying because I just don't know you well enough. Why don't you come back with um, a family member? Mm -hmm. And actually if somebody very young comes in with their mum, that's a really good sign because if their mum is supportive and quite often, mum or dad or gran or big sister or big brother or whatever, they'll sit here going, I really don't want her to do this or him to do this, I'm worried, mm -hmm. which a good supporter family member will, will be saying, because you know, somebody cares about you, will worry about you doing this kind of stuff, and rightly so. Um, but you know what, I will support them because they've wanted to do this for so long, um, I know how much it bothers them, and yes, if I, you know, look you in the eye and I think you're someone that's all right to put my little sister uh, into your hands. Um, fine, I'm there for, for, you know, through thick and thin. If things mm -hmm. go to plan, great. If they don't, I'll, I'll be there to help, help them um, cope with things. Because, you know, things don't all go to plan. I think that's great to hear because I think it's, it's definitely sometimes a taboo topic. And I guess everyone's screening kind of mechanisms or methods are very different depending on who people go to see yeah. what yeah. is i know you mentioned there about some strange procedures you've you've had requested what is one of the more strange or weird the ones you've been asked for because i don't know if you've seen there's a a really famous slash popular guy online called the black alien character i don't know if oh, you've seen him black eyes and things yeah yeah and he's got like I, horns I, he's, had, he's had fingers yeah. taken off i think he's yeah. actually looking at getting his leg taken amputated from the knee down and, and that's the kind of thing of like where, where the people's like screening methods come into play with that and where are where are the lines drawn and where certain cosmetic procedures are, are cut off and i'm guessing that's different depending on where people are going to in the world I mean, I, I guess i don't know it doesn't take much to push me beyond my comfort zone yeah. okay I'm, I'm a pretty boring surgeon in that sense in that i'm i I don't, I'm not that extreme. If you came to me saying I want very big breasts or very small breasts or, or, or I would like a very weird nose or all the, the kind of stuff that this guy's asking for, I will probably say, look, I'm just not the person to do this for you. I'm really sorry, but I'm not, I'm not your, your surgeon because I just, you know, it's not something I would be happy doing. So if you come, let, 
let's come back a little bit more closer to you know you or I as it were um, average people everyday people um, there, there's been a little bit of an increase in people wanting their legs lengthened okay to make them taller there's it's not my thing but orthopedic bone surgeons around the world have been doing things to lengthen legs lengthen so, sorry bone. how does that work so it, it is and again I think it's a bit extreme and crazy I would never have anything to do with it and I wouldn't let anyone I know or care about have it done yeah. so what they will do is that so if you break your leg and this is what I do as part of you know my NHS practice I, um, I don't do as much of it anymore but trauma was what I used to do in a major trauma center King's College um, if you break your leg then one of the ways to fix it is by putting these big frames on the leg mm -hmm. and they're almost like you know little rings above and below the break and they've got things attaching the two rings and then you can manipulate those rings you can lengthen them shorten them straighten them move them in all directions um, uh, to get the bones aligned properly and healing properly and they can be adjusted as you go along and these are literally put through the bone kind of almost like a bicycle wheel and spokes if you think if you see what i mean yeah. and, and they, so what you can then do is you can use the same system to break the bone in the middle deliberately Okay, cutting it um, with a saw and then you put the ring on top and bottom and then you slowly stretch it and it, they do it like one millimeter a day and the bone stays it kind of one millimeter it'll still heal it'll move and heal move and heal move and heal and they can lengthen it but actually this is not straightforward stuff and a number of things that go wrong and you hear about and I see you know I went off somewhere I think in Russia they've been doing a lot of this stuff um, and then this is this will come on to one of the things that I wanted to talk about, I guess, is that going abroad for surgery, yeah. fine, you know, there are great surgeons abroad, great hospitals abroad, but then you come back home a bit too soon and things go wrong, because actually ne things never go totally to plan. When have you ever got on a plane and there's not been a bit of turbulence, mm -hmm. or there's not been somewhat, you know, something, there's been a delay, or there's been a, pa a passenger making a bit of a fuss, or you know the food hasn't turned up or whatever There's, it's never a hundred percent straightforward perfect perfect doesn't exist and the same thing goes for surgery is you know perfect doesn't exist and if something even little goes wrong and then if you're too far away from your surgeon then it's really difficult to get it fixed and people have lost legs trying to have this kind of stuff done so you know i when it comes to that kind of stuff you know having like as you mentioned with this guy Having, uh, he's had his eyes injected, hasn't yeah. he? He's had his whole yeah, eyes are black. Horns. I'm taught by my colleague, um, the ophthalmologist, the eye surgeon who sat in the room next to me. He says that is such a dangerous thing to do mm -hmm. because the risk of going blind is pretty high. So you don't want to be doing that. Um, it's kind of effectively having your eyeballs tattooed, which I, which I just the thought of that makes Horrible. me... <laughs> Imagine, I'm, I'm quite squeamish when it comes to that kind of stuff. You, you wouldn't think so, but um, and um, uh, I, you know, I think it's risks versus benefits. Okay, so you you could then argue, well, look, Nav, you're doing operations on people that could potentially risk their life, and yes, that's true. But the risk versus the benefits ratio: the risks are small, the benefits are big. When it comes to some of this stuff, the risks start getting a bit too big, if you ask me, compared to the benefits. And I say this to patients, you know, if you want me to operate on your nose, the first operation is the safest one, it's the easiest one, it's the least risky. And then if, if you keep coming back, um, 
the risks go up, the benefits get less and less. We're just trying to make small tweaks. Mm. You know, you wanted to go from zero to 100% with your nose, um, and the risks were, say, 5%, yeah. okay, relatively speaking. These are, these are not exact things, but these are just, just for the sake of talking about it. We did the operation. You weren't at zero anyway, because no one has a 0% nose. Let's say you were at 30%, 40%, and we only got as far as 85%. Um, and now you want to go from 85 to 100. Um, that's 15%. We're never going to get to 100 because nobody's perfect. But now the risks start going up from 5 to 20%. And so actually the chance of things going wrong are more than the chance of getting it right. So you shouldn't be doing surgery if that's the case. If the risks, if, you know, if your pilot said, okay, I'll fly you from London to New York, but actually there's a 50% chance we're going to crash in the ocean. You're not going to get on that plane. You know, the risk versus the versus the benefit. So the chance of crashing in the um, Atlantic are 0. 0.000 something percent. Okay, and we accept that every day when we get on airplanes. We accept that when we cross the road or get in a car or get on a bicycle, as I've done today. You know, life is is risks versus benefits. You eat food, and it might give you food poisoning. You know, because it happens to have something in it. That's a risk that we all take every day. So that's what you have to do with surgery. Yeah. Do you think some people just become very addicted to getting plastic surgery or filler, like drugs, alcohol, people get addicted and they don't really care about the consequences? Yeah. Have you seen that quite a lot in your practice or in other areas? I don't see it a lot, luckily, um, but I see it. Um, mm -hmm. I can think of someone not that long ago who had had a lot of surgery done to their face and came to me for like the fifth or sixth operation. And I was there going, look, I'm now your fifth, sixth surgeon, because it was a different surgeon every time. Mm -hmm. And that's a giveaway as well. The first one, yeah, I went there, I wasn't really happy, and quite look after me. Then I went to the second one and it was all right, but no. And then third, fourth, and I'm going, look, five people have done this before and you weren't happy. Mm -hmm. What makes you think that me as number six is gonna suddenly get it miraculously mm -hmm. right? So no, I'm not gonna operate on you because Actually, I've seen it fail five times out of five, and I know that I'm going to be number six and it's not going to go right. I'll do the best I can. It could all go swimmingly, but I still don't think you're going to be happy. And the classic uh, case of that, again, coming on to extreme surgery and examples, it was, uh, was Michael Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Michael Jackson, supposedly, I don't know the facts, okay? Um, although I've heard a lecture given by a surgeon that you was training under the surgeon that operates on Michael Jackson's nose. Apparently he had 50 operations to his nose. 50? Five zero. Yeah, apparently. I cannot imagine doing 50 operations on someone's nose because it's like trying to redecorate your kitchen 50 times. There'll be nothing yeah, it's left. it's not going to work. Yeah. Are, they, no, are they known as like ethnical procedures where people are trying to change certain features of the, the ethnicity? Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think, you know, he was someone who did quite clearly, I think, you know, looking at the way he was in public, that's all I, you know, I'm the same as anyone else here. I don't know, have any inside info. But um, he, I think, did have some serious body dysmorphia, yeah. identity issues of some sort, not in a good way, not in a healthy way. You know, there are lots of people out there who have issues with their identity, their gender, their, you know, uh, um, their, their, their body shape, uh, um, their sexuality, 
what you know i'm someone that is relatively old but i still feel quite young so you yeah. could say well you obviously have to have you've got an issue with your age you need to act your age now yeah. so we've all got these issues we're all you know wanting to be a bit different we're not we're none of us are the same i think someone like michael jackson yeah i think he did have issues perhaps you know his nose was dominating the rest of his life um and and if that's the case then no you shouldn't be offering surgery and from what this chap said you know towards the end they were all just going look we don't know what to do we can't you know um this is a powerful guy who um you know maybe they're worried about the effects it was going to have on their life or something i don't know but they felt obliged to do something is what 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 i was being told in this lecture and so by the end of it apparently they just give him a quick shot of um of anesthetic um, he'd go to sleep, they'd just put a sticky plaster on his nose and then they'd wake him up and say, there you go, all done. Um, oh and, and he'd be happy, you know. That, and again, that, that's the ethics of that are questionable. Yeah, um, psychological. No, this is what I've heard. Um, again, rumour, gossip, whatever. But um, So yeah, I think we have to be really, really, really careful. Um, and I have to be really, really, really careful. And it is a minefield for, mm -hmm. for me because, and I have made this mistake over over the years operating on people that I just wish I'd never touched. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really difficult trying to suss out. Um, and actually, I think if, if through things like this, through people learning and educating themselves, they can, um, uh, and it happens actually, it is good. By the time they come and sit in my room, they are um, already informed up to a baseline level. And that's what my social media presence and my website and doing things like this is all about and our you know good surgeons out there educating the public i think if people think long and hard about why they're doing it before they commit to doing something as extreme as surgery i think we'll have way less um uh, unsatisfied yeah. unhappy people having gone down a route that they really shouldn't have done yeah like I was saying before, I think it's it's definitely still a, a taboo topic, and I think even some of the questions that we we received, I think people are still quite skeptical, and that's why your social media page is great. Conversations like this are really good because yeah, even myself, I know you're probably looking at the podcast yeah. and thinking, "Wow, that's a great hairline." I actually went and had a hair transplant. Um, when was it? It must have been three and a half yeah. four years ago now. About four years ago, and I did a lot of research into up and up until that time spent probably a year or so looking into different places to go and get it done uh, mm. looking at feedback watching videos before i made a a decision to to go and go go and get it done but i actually ended up going to get mine done we tied it in the whole day and i went to get mine done in turkey which i was quite skeptical about doing because yeah. i'd seen quite a lot of botched jobs yeah. and people would come back with different things but then at the same time there's there's quite a few places who from what I could see, had quite highly trained and skilled yeah. surgeons out I there mean, as well. Yeah, it, yeah. It's not, I mean, you know, it sounds like you did it well mm. and you had a good experience. Um, and great, you know what? That's probably the chances are that's what happens. So you can get on a rickety airline mm. and you can fly over to New York, and chances are you'll land over there. Um, absolutely fine going, yeah, I don't know what people go on about. I don't know why they pay thousands and thousands for, you know, the expensive whatever airlines. Um, I had a great experience and the chances are it'll be great and actually it's quite possible that the, that the airline was fine, the plane was really high quality, the, start, the pilot was, was a super duper expert. That's not the issue actually and, and interestingly I'm a hypocrite when it comes to this because 
people will fly from the Middle East, particularly. I get a lot of people flying over from the Middle East to have surgery with me in London. Mm -hmm. That's quite a popular thing. Mm -hmm. okay, in the same way that people from the UK go to Turkey for hair transplants. I was in Turkey a few weeks ago for a conference. And in fact, I'm going again in a couple mm -hmm. of weeks' time to Istanbul. And the plate is full of people yeah. with their headbands yeah. on. Yeah, it was the same when I came back. It was literally just Your, looking. Yours, was a, yours had a clinic in London, though. Yeah, well, I, the, 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 all, the, all the after support was in the UK, but yeah. when, when you're flying, it's it's funny because you just see a load of bold guys with and big heads. bandanas yeah. and heads yeah. like yeah. Greek. Yeah, you see, yeah the, the old 1980s, you, you guys are too young to remember, the Bjorn Borg yeah. headband uh, tennis players <laughs> from the 80s. Um, so yeah, and you kind of see their heads, you know, over the, over the rest oh, of the airplane. And, but, you know, it's not, that's not the issue. Going abroad to have surgery is fine. If you can find a good surgeon, a good hospital, yeah. a good setup. And it sounds like, you know, you had a setup where perhaps even the backup, if you, you come back home and things are not quite right, because you still need attention with keeping yeah. things clean and healing and, and not letting it get infected, because that can kill off the hair transplant, uh, the, the transplanted hairs and all that kind of stuff. And if you have the setup here where they are able to do it great um it's rare to be honest that it's done properly and actually i bet you if we talked about the details of your clinic here when you came back i'll find all sorts of problems with it but that's me and of course i would say that okay because yeah. I, I you know but what i would say is for those people who come over here to london from say you know dubai qatar mm -hmm. whatever um, they come to London and I say, by the way, you are living in London for four weeks. Okay, the surgery I'm about to do on you, we won't know that you're out of the woods for the first four weeks. Yeah. And then once you are, you know what, you have a direct line to me and the num number of patients. In the NHS, I was getting one patient a week who'd had surgery abroad and it was Turkey actually, it was tummy tucks and money makeovers and that kind of stuff, big surgery. And they'd be flying back two, three days later, still with dressings wet and dripping and drain tubes coming out to bottles and they're hiding them in their hand, you know, their, their carry-on bag. Um, and um, and they turn up here and then they get an infection 10 days later because infection takes a while to set in after surgery. And then they say, yeah, I phoned up the clinic and they said, sorry, you're not our problem anymore. Go to A&E. You know, the NHS will look after you now. And that's the kind of thing you really need to avoid. You need to find a decent, decent setup. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounds like, you know, you did that um, for your for your hair and great. You know what? Fantastic. And that that works. But finding that in that minefield um, and these places don't always stay good. They go downhill. Yeah. They improve. They change. Um, and trying to make sure that, you know, so even my clinic, I've got to maintain it to a certain standard. And if I start slacking off because business is a bit dodgy and, and I haven't got the money, then you don't want to come to my clinic because yeah. actually it's gone downhill. Um, and making sure that that kind of the standards are being maintained abroad is really difficult. Yeah. Really difficult. Yeah. But, you know, do your research, find good people, spend your time. Don't rush, okay? You know, you've lived with whatever problem it is. It's not been a few weeks. It's been years, generally speaking. And so, therefore, wait about another six months, another year, doing your research, doing your homework, saving up the money if it's going to be more expensive to do it at home, quitting smoking, losing weight, doing all of that stuff so that you are optimized for your mm -hmm. surgery, and then commit. Yeah, I guess that's one of the reasons why I went abroad, though, is because... I was a bit younger. I didn't have the funds potentially to pay yeah. something in the UK, but that's one of the things that I'm guessing is is, is changed quite a lot over recent years. Is, is kind of maybe certain types of finance for 
for people to be yeah. able to to get things. And often, even we see in the in the fitness industry, if you you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. And that's yeah. one of the things that I wanted to speak yeah. about in particular in today's podcast was what what do you think the role of social media played in the rise in popularity of plastic surgery? Because one of the things I've often spoke about before on the podcast is maybe 20, 30 years ago, the only people potentially or parents or yourself would see to compare themselves to would be the person that see it as the checkout, the person in the car park. Whereas now the people the people that they will compare themselves to will be the hyper elite on social media and there's thousands of them to compare to on an everyday basis as well. I mean, it used to be, if you go back to when I was a kid, you know, before the internet, before email, before social media, um, before digital photography, you know, um, it was magazines, for example, and mm-hmm. it was the movies and it was TV, you know, three channels, that's all I had when I was a kid on that old. Um, and, um, and that's what you had to compare yourself to. And that, that, you know, your Hollywood movie stars, and so facelifts and boob jobs and nose jobs and all that kind of stuff was a thing that the rich and famous did. And, and then over the years, what then happened was you'd see people and perhaps some of them would, would confess to having stuff done, some wouldn't, but you'd see the extremes. So the classic extreme facelift was Ronald Reagan's wife, Nancy Reagan. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. She probably had a facelift every week almost lot, and had had so many that she just looked windswept and, mm-hmm. and, and surprised and scared <laughs> and scary. Um, and that's all you have to go by. And so people back then would go, oh, I'm not going to do that. That's just weird. And actually, it's all these strange Hollywood stars who've got more money than sense who are doing stupid things to themselves. Michael Jackson, okay, same yeah. thing. Um, so I, I'm not going to go down that route. And actually, it, you know, it was out of reach. It was expensive. It was, it was out of reach of people. And if you think about nice clothes back then were really difficult to buy. A decent suit was out of reach of the average person. Whereas now, you know, M&S is doing a decent suit or Reese or someone that, you know, you can get good quality, mm-hmm. nice clothes within reach of the average person. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I might be using the examples that are not in, within reach of the average person, but you get what I mean. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the same things happened with surgery as well. Um, and uh, the, the, the affordability has come down even in the UK the acceptability has come down. It's no longer this weird thing that the rich and famous do. Um, and actually, what I would say now is it's become much more normalized and much less taboo, as you've said. You know, it's, it's, um, it, it's something that people talk about openly um, in the pub, in dinner parties at home or, you know, whatever, at work. Um, it's no longer something that people hide away from. And it's not something that is just limited to the elite or the rich and famous or whatever. Um, nevertheless, it is more expensive. It isn't cheap. It isn't mm-hmm. a cheap thing to do. Uh, it is still, you know, a, a, like, it, it's like a big expense. It's like buying a car. Yeah. Okay. Everyone, the average person can now afford a better car. The quality of cars is better. But nevertheless, it is still a luxury purchase um, that we're talking about. And what I would say when it comes to, you know, UK versus abroad being expensive versus cheaper is, yes, that might be true. But as we said, going cheaper abroad has its has its risks and consequences. And, and you know, it was someone who told me it was one of my old, old bosses said, I can't afford to buy cheap shoes. Yeah. And I think, it, you know, even um, 
a, a, a someone who works on their feet all the time, say running around on a farm or something, they will invest in, in decent shoes because if you buy cheap shoes, they wear out before you know it, your feet go manky and horrible, and then you're in trouble and you can't afford to work. Mm -hmm. And your whole life is, is now down the toilet. Whereas if you invest in in decent quality you know shoes, they will last you longer. And actually they probably save you money because you don't have to change them as often. And um, actually you carry on being productive. And the same thing is true for investing in yourself when it comes to fitness, surgery, uh, all that kind of, I think when it comes to your body, you can't afford to take risks. You can't afford to buy cheap shoes. It's just too risky. And so I would say, yeah, honestly, you don't have to buy the most expensive. We, we all don't need to have Ferraris and Aston Martins, okay? We need a decent BMW or a decent Mercedes or a decent Audi or a top of the range, good quality Volkswagen or Ford, you know, that's what we should be doing rather than buying the lowest of the range because it's cheaper and easier. Yeah, 100%. I think, well, I don't know if you've got a lot of questions, but when I asked my audience, I've obviously got a lot of female followers yeah. and the most yeah. common one was breast implants and boob jobs. Yeah. I definitely, the age of 17, 18, 19, 20, even yeah. when I first met Ben, really really wanted breast implants and i don't know yeah. if that was i came away from swimming i've always had like an a b cup i went into yeah. fitness they were never going to be that big and mm -hmm. one of the really common questions that i got was about the breast implant illness yeah. that a lot of women seem to speak about and they're very open about it now is it something that well discuss that in general but is it something that women are told before they have breast implants? Yeah. yeah, I'll be telling someone about that today for sure. Oh, right, okay. Uh, I'll start my clinic, yeah. I mean, and again, someone who doesn't mention that to you is being irresponsible in today's day and age. There's a, my consultation for breast implants takes an hour. Oh, and that's okay. the first consultation, okay? I'll spend an hour with you um, and you'll get so bored listening to me, okay? You'll just, I'll, dr I'll be droning on and on and on. And there's a tick list, I'll go on about the good and the bad. Um, and we will work it out. And then if, if I still don't think you've quite got it, I'll bring you back again. Mm. Uh, okay, a few weeks later, go away, think about this. Are you sure? Okay, as we said before, I'm not ready to operate on you. I don't think you should commit just yet. Be careful. Um, come back and we'll talk about this again. And one of the things, breast implant illness, is being spoken about a lot. I would say it is not as common as perhaps people think it is. Perhaps, you know, the impression you've got is maybe it's really, it isn't okay. Mm -hmm. I think I've done probably 1,500 to 2,000 women's breast implants now over the years. Um, I've lost count and I've had one case that said she thought she had breast implant illness. Um, and can you remove them please? Because I, I swear they're poisoning me. I swear they've ruined my life. Um, and so just take them out. Yeah. Now, I think this is where people like me have to be really fair. Okay, so you would have come to me at that age saying, look, please, can you put implants into me because they will make me feel better, more confident, more proportionate, more, you know, fitting in, in, in clothes and everything that, that, that all the reasons women come asking for breast implants. You're coming to me saying, please, can you do this? risky invasive thing to me because it'll make me feel better mm -hmm. and i'll go yeah all right you know provided you understand all of this 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 and this so uh, so yes my consultation will take an hour the actual surgery only takes about 40 minutes um it's oh, really quick surgery <laughs> yeah so the surgery takes less time 
than my consultation does in this room. And so you want someone who is going to spend time talking to you properly. And actually, the surgery, a breast implant operation in my world, is a relatively easy operation. Mm -hmm. Straightforward, easy, simple, quick operation. Safe operation. But if I haven't told you about all the good and the bad things about it, then I'm being a totally irresponsible surgeon. So someone who just goes, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Here, try these. I'm good. Wonderful. You'll be happy. Bye. Mm -hmm. No, don't go with them. Okay, because if they haven't spent the time with you before, they're not going to spend the time with you afterwards if it doesn't go to plan. Um, so breast implant illness is, I think there is something to it. There is something in it. Um, I don't understand it, and I don't think anyone really does. We haven't worked it out. Yeah, but there it wasn't a real a... definition. I couldn't find No, there isn't. It's a oh, bit sorry. like, um, there's lots of things like that. There's um, what's called ME, so post-viral syndrome. There's long COVID, okay, we don't understand that as to why it's happening, but it seems to be a thing. And I'm never gonna argue saying, sorry, go away, you're crazy. So the same thing, if someone comes to me and says, look, I think I've got breast implant illness, please, would you mind taking my implants out because it will make me feel better? It's exactly the same as when they first came to see me, um, put them in because it will make me feel better. Yeah. Who am I to argue, okay? Provided you understand the risks and the benefits, yes, we can do this operation to remove your implants, you will have to go through an anesthetic, you'll have to go through surgery, there's all these risks of bleeding and infection and scars and this and that and the other. Um, same as before, perhaps a bit riskier than before because it's your second operation in that part of your body. Are you sure you wanna go through it? Um, and if they still say, yep, you know what, I'm willing to take that risk, then fine, okay, we do it and we remove it. And generally speaking, about 50% of women who have their implants removed because they think they've got BII, um, they will say, yep, you know what, great, I'm back again. I was on the um, Victoria Derbyshire program a few years ago and I was surrounded by these women who all thought they had breast implant illness yeah. and um, and we were, they were all looking at me like, you know, it's you, it's your fault. Um, I, I, they were, to be fair, they were really nice. They, <laughs> they were being really fair. And again, as I said earlier, I think they were a lot more sorted than we give them credit for. Yeah. Yeah. And actually... It, one of the problems I think my peers, my group has is that we write off women like that as being crazy. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I don't think we should do that. I don't have an explanation for it. Okay. But it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You know, UFOs, I can't explain why people think they've seen UFOs or, or the Loch Ness monster or whatever it is. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It might not exist. Okay, but it definitely doesn't not exist. You know, it, I can't prove it one way or the other. So fine, if you think you've got breast implant illness, it's rare, okay? The chances are one in a thousand or one in several thousand that you're gonna be that one. Um, same thing as there's a rare cancer with breast implants. If you have breast implants put in, there is a very rare form of lymphoma, leukemia lymphoma, it's like blood cancer. Um, it is increased if you have breast implants. We don't understand why just yet. Mm. It's still very, 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 very rare, mm -hmm. but it's a little bit more compared to if you didn't have implants in. Um, and, it, and, and again, just to put it into context, whilst we're talking about this, breast cancer, okay, I can quiz you now, actually. So guys, what? how many people um, get breast cancer? One in how many women get breast cancer? One in three. No, one in eight, one in nine. Oh, yeah, but not far off, okay? A lot of people say one in a hundred. So I'm sat here watching people walk past my clinic in the, in the window here. For every eight or nine women that walk past, one of them is getting breast cancer. 
okay? And then for men, it's prostate cancer that we've got to worry about. And by the way, 1% of breast cancers is in men uh, as is well. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, because we've all got, you know, we've all got a bit of breast tissue. So yeah. gynecomastia yeah. Um, is, is male breast tissue that's grown a little bit too big. So, um, and it can be extreme. It can make men look like they've got breasts. So, but yeah, so therefore 1% of all breast cancers that are treated are in men. Um, yeah. How, how often do those um, implants need to be changed? So they never last forever. Yeah. Okay, breast implants do not last forever, full stop, no matter what anyone says. We are seeing them last longer and longer and longer. Mm -hmm. I'm still quoting 15 years, mm -hmm. 20 if you're lucky, 10 if you're unlucky, less than 10 if you're really unlucky because some people just don't get on with them and react to form scars and things, or more than 20 if you're really, really lucky. The very, very first woman to ever have breast implants put in, um, whose name I can never remember, in America, had them put in in 1963, and she's still got them in, wow. apparently. And apparently the reason she's what still got them is not because they are still beautiful and perfect. I, I would imagine those implants in the 60s have gone rock solid, yeah. literally. Um, and are probably not very comfortable and probably don't look very nice. But I gather her experience was so horrible mm. um, that she just said, no yeah. one is Never ever again. doing that to me. And so, yeah, we don't do that now. We're better. We're kind of, we can do it through tiny incisions, like three and a half centimeters. And you go in and out on the same day. You don't even have to sleep in hospital and all that. So it's a much more pleasant experience. But again, they don't last forever. Expect to change them again in about 15 years time mm -hmm. expect potentially now that you've got the extra weight they might drag down so you may have the need to have an uplift um, because the skin has been stretched bigger breasts droop more than smaller breasts um, if you have kids they get bigger they get smaller they droop they empty um, so you know our bodies are changing life carries on so yeah. nothing is forever sorry do, do you find that you mentioned before about more people are being quite open about the the surgeries and the cosmetic surgery that they haven't done yeah from your yeah, think... from your experience sorry and more and more people in your more of your patients tending to to be more open about it the reason why i ask this question is because this thing in the fitness industry known as like fake natties which is basically where predominantly males will take steroids and, and claim that they're they're natural and it it, it does annoy me quite a lot because then we have young males who will look up to these individuals and think that they can achieve that status by just being natural and i think there's the potential that potentially young impressionable females will look at other people and think well i can reach those levels of beauty but then those yeah. people have been under the knife and had things done which are superficial yeah absolutely i th I, th I think that's a real shame actually i think that's really um, irresponsible, mm -hmm. full stop. You know, you shouldn't be doing that because you are influencing young, vulnerable people. Mm -hmm. Young people are vulnerable. You know, we're all impressionable and we're all, you know, buy into things that we shouldn't do when we're young. You know, you know, I think of myself as, as I used to be young and stupid and now I'm old and wise. I'm yeah. not sure if that's necessarily true, but <laughs> that's the way life goes. So, you know, um, I, I, I really, yeah, and actually taking steroids for fitness purposes is really dangerous. You know, it not only enlarges your muscles and your bulk and all that, and it might make you look great, um, but it has effects on your, your heart enlarges and heart attacks and strokes and things are much greater. Um, it can have weird, steroids can have weird effects on your brain. It can make you go psychotic and, and, and proper mental health issues and suicidal risk. 
um, all this kind of stuff happens. So if you look, that's why there is pro- there are there's a higher rate of suicide amongst bodybuilders, the fitness population. Okay, you know, you, you are you are by definition being part of the fitness community are in a riskier category. There's a higher rate of suicide amongst doctors um, because stressful life, taking mm-hmm. drugs, drinking too much, not looking after yourself, not eating properly, or whatever. All those things. Um, uh, uh, so actually, yes, people who who do this and pretend they haven't, I don't, I don't know how you stop that. That's the trouble. People will. There was a the guy he died recently, didn't he? That guy who's injected himself with yeah. paraffin. He's that. He looked South American or Mediterranean. I don't know. Yeah, and, you, um, just, you just are called thin, thin, Oldish guy with. Yeah, and um, and he, you know, he, he's just he just looks so weird, and he had quite clearly had no insight. And perhaps that's what happens to people who do this. And you can, you know, there are people in the public eye, some of the, you know, the current popular influencers, celebs out there, you know, the Kardashians, Kardashians. have been criticised for not being open about yeah. their surgery or whatever. And yeah, that, sorry, that, I, I sorry to interrupt, that was one of the ones that I was going to draw on, actually, was, uh, was, yeah. pe- was people like uh, Kylie Jenner, Tyra Banks and Lady Gaga had, had once come out and said that they'd had nothing done and were at, actually actively yeah. came out and spoke against it to later then come out and say well i have actually had stuff done and yeah. again i don't think it's a problem if people kind of don't talk about it or don't say well i haven't had anything uh, done or i'm natural ever but it, if people come out and say well i haven't had anything done it's just my natural yeah. i think that's the that's what then causes the issue and it's because it's up to people like what they really want to talk about but then i think denying it altogether creates a different yeah and i'm kind of, i'm hoping that will reduce because why did they end up saying those kind of things? No, I've not had anything done. When you know they, everyone's looking at them, going, "Really?" Yeah. Um, uh, I'm hoping that will die down because it is becoming more normal, and uh, maybe they didn't want to admit to it because what will people think? What will people mm-hmm. say? What will my mum? Maybe Lady Gaga was worried about what her mum's going to say. You know, is her dad going to give her a, a hard time? We all have these reasons for lying and covering stuff up and pretending, I guess. And we do it all the time. You know, no one is totally open. But then to come out and say the opposite, I don't know, that, that they must have been pushed by something extreme to do that, be it money or maybe their agents saying, no, you need to come out and say you haven't done something. Otherwise, yeah. Nike's going to stop sponsoring yeah. you. You know, whatever. You know, that kind of thing. Who Anyway, we don't know. We can contemplate. We can, we can speculate. But the good thing is, you know, nowadays, cosmetic surgery, fitness, looking after yourself. I'm amazed by how good people look, you know, as I cycle yeah. around London and how much care they take up, take about themselves. Um, it, and this area, Bassi, is just crazy at the moment because it is attracting that kind of population yeah. with the power station and all that opening. But I think because it is becoming more mainstream, more acceptable, more okay to talk about, I think we're going to see it being better. Um, and I always say now you're probably sat on a bus and there is someone on that bus who's had something done to themselves. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And you don't realize it. And the good thing is now the best plastic surgery you can't even tell okay it is quite possible um that i'm looking at both of you and you've had something done i can't i as an expert as it were cannot tell that you've had something done and that's good that's great that's the way it should be you know i shouldn't be able to tell that you've had something done and yes you might you know you mentioned oh you might have been able to tell from by my hairline actually no it hadn't even occurred to me no you know what you look all right you look normal you know so fine that that, that was a very good barber sorry that plus a very good barber 
Yeah, you know, so that's the thing. So just, you know, just, um, but you, you've got to a place where you feel normal, or I hope you have, okay? Yeah. And that's what we're aiming towards, is people feeling normal, good about themselves, happy about themselves, confident. And so it's no longer now, this thing is no longer dominating your life. Yeah. And you can get on with the rest of your life being productive, happy, you know, helpful to society, whatever, paying tax, whatever it is that we're meant to be doing as, as human beings. Um, and I think that's a good thing, you know, uh, it is with a bit of luck becoming more and more normal mm -hmm. and therefore more and more accepted and, uh, and and actually there's less and less of things. What some of the, One of the things that happens thinking about it is I get women here who said, yeah, I mentioned to my mum that I might want to get my breasts done. And she went, oh, I was wondering when you'd say that because I got mine done when I was 25 and I've never quite been able to tell you this and I never know, knew how to bring it up. Yeah. But right, sit down. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. Great. You know what? Yeah, maybe that conversation should have happened a little bit earlier and it will do now more and more. Yeah. And so she will then tell her daughter perhaps a bit earlier. I wish my mum had told me earlier. Um, you know, that kind of thing. I think we are getting better and better. One of the procedures that I think again, this is me just from looking at social mm. media that has really increased over the past couple of years is the Brazilian butt lift. Yeah. What, what is that? Where, how do you grow someone's bum? <laughs> I'm just, because well, that's a fitness one. That yeah, I, mean, it's about. Something that, um, I don't do because it's potentially dangerous. Yeah. It's the cosmetic surgery procedure that has the highest risk of death, as it were. Yeah. It's still a small risk of death, but it, so what you're doing is you liposuction fat from somewhere where you've got it spare. Okay, so tummy, flanks, thighs. Um, and you inject that fat, you process it in different ways and people talk about different ways of doing this and you inject it into the bottom um, to plump up the bum with fat. Okay, so you're basically making the bottom fatter relative to tummy or flanks by taking it away. Um, now the problem has been um, is that if you inject that fat into a big vein, a blood vessel, okay, and there are big veins in your bum, uh, which go back from your legs. Mm -hmm. If you end up injecting that fat into a blood vessel, that can then travel up into your lungs and you can die. Okay, and that's what has happened um, in in the past a few times around the world. Now, there are surgeons, and actually, again, the proper surgeons, the trained, the safe, the whatever, who are saying, look, the only reason that happened is because these surgeons are doing it willy-nilly, cowboys not knowing what they're doing, they're not checking that they're not injecting into a vein, and you can do that. We know, you know, when you inject filler or Botox, we check that we're not injecting it into a vein by... you put the needle in and actually you pull back on the plunger yeah. and if you suck up blood it means you're in a blood vessel yeah and if you don't um it means you're not in a blood vessel then you're safe to inject and that's the same with injecting fat now having said that you know it, it, thankfully i've never been a fan of that look as it were um uh it seems to be going out of fashion again okay and uh, to me that's a good thing mm -hmm. The problem is that it's not like flared jeans or skinny jeans or whatever types of jeans. It's now all these women who've had it done because on the back of their icons, um, uh, you know, the Kardashians or Jada, I don't know, whoever, the, the, that look. Yeah. Um, they're now there, you know, and somebody supposedly had it reversed, is that right? Ooh, um, recently, it might be one of the Kardashians. I don't know, someone oh, high yeah. profile. I think it was Khloe Kardashian. Someone's yeah. had it reversed, okay? And now that's not easy to have done. It's not cheap to have done. 
it's more expensive than having it done in the first place. And having it done in the first place is really expensive and it might need more than one go to get it done to the point. So, because you can't put loads and loads of fat in, in one go, because it doesn't survive very well and it causes problems. So you may have to have several sessions and they're really expensive each time. And yeah, these guys can afford it. And someone who is easily influenced has gone and had that done yeah. and has saved up or blown their life savings or inheritance or whatever and had it done. And now, whoever it was has had it reversed and then this person's going now what do i do you know and they're stuck looking sort of in the past you know a look that is is now out of fashion and they they haven't so i think we've got to be really careful following trends you know and so that's why i think the extreme things um we've got to be really careful about um and that's why i don't i don't do that i don't offer extreme surgery and i'm not going to give you a very big bottom or a very pointy nose or very big breasts or something that might not quite sit okay. I looked at my wedding suit, you know, we got married in 2004 and I put it on again the other day because it was a really, I, I spent a fortune on it and it was this designer suit and Oswald Boateng or something and I was really proud of it at the time and I put it on and I just looked like some dodgy waiter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I just thought, gee, you know, so that's the trouble. Yeah, Trends yeah, and fashions fashion. change. You know, you just have to look at you, you you look at your parents' photos or you look at your old photos from 10 years ago. What was I thinking? Yeah. And that's fine if it's clothes or a haircut um, or a makeup look or something. But if it's, you know, fat in your bum, it, you know, what was I thinking lasts forever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, sp- speaking about liposuction as well, I think one of the things that sometimes disappoints me with people's decisions is that um, I, I think, don't get me wrong I think some people who have medical conditions which are, are stopping people from losing weight are a different category of fish but I think some people are, we have this problem in the fitness industry where people are under or miseducated or not educated properly or have seen the wrong people and have been let down and then turn into to liposuction I sometimes wonder is it is it just a plaster over a a wound because people are getting these these this fat taken yeah, away I mean, and then are they ever really learning the process that it takes to get yeah. somewhere we see it a lot of the time with people who maybe win the lottery and they, they all of a sudden overnight they're, they're big winners and then they end up bankrupt because they've never been through the hardship of the process that it takes yeah, to, yeah, to go I mean, you know, to get rid of things you've got to live life properly as it were that that's true um what i would say about liposuction is again you're kind of hinting at some of the misconceptions that people think liposuction or surgery can do. Liposuction, which is sucking fat out of areas, doesn't help you lose weight, okay? If you are overweight overall, or you're carrying more fat over your entire body, we can't suddenly shrink it all around. So liposuction is good for stubborn areas. Mm. So the chap I was talking about, who I'm operating on Friday, that the, the um, uh, Chelsea miles. guy, he, um, uh, Miles, yeah, he's he is, you know, you could say, why is he getting it done? And a lot of people are probably saying he wants to get his chest done. He thinks he's carrying a little bit of extra tissue in his chest. It really annoys him. And, it, and I, I kind of get what he's talking about. And he says, look, I've tried really hard and it isn't going. Now, he's potentially a candidate for liposuction, which is what we're going to try, okay, later this week. And we've been very clear about that, that it's a try. It's not a guarantee you're going to be perfect. 
And he says, look, at least then I've done everything I can. Okay, so he's worked hard, he's exercising, he's training. And he just goes, yeah, I'm still just left with this bit that really bugs me. Liposuction is good for those kind of areas, stubborn areas, mm-hmm. um, uh, areas that just are, are a bit disproportionate. And no matter what you do, they don't go. And we all have those parts of our body. If overall you're trying to shrink yourself without exercise, without a proper diet, and you know all the things that we tell you to do, um, or you guys are only too aware of that you should do in order mm-hmm. to improve your body and fitness level. If it, it, it does, surgery is not a substitute for that. Mm-hmm. Okay, surgery and liposuction and all the stuff we've talked about is really good for tackling little troublesome specific areas. Um, and it works really well for that. Look, I've never quite liked the blobbiness of my nose. No matter, you know, if only that could just be shrunk down the rest of my face. You know what? I'm fine. I just want that to be a bit more proportionate, normal, in keeping and fitting in with the rest. It works very well. So I think some of these people who are trying to use surgery as a shortcut are, have got it wrong, actually. And, and they shouldn't be being offered surgery as a shortcut yeah. to, you know... Um, you want to achieve the body of your dreams, come to me. I, you'll never see me talking about that, yeah. okay? Do you want to get beach body ready? Do you remember there was an advert a few yeah. years oh, ago? Yeah, they were so cool. Toxic diaculture. Yeah. Yeah, that, it doesn't work, okay? I cannot get get you ready for this summer, next summer, um, by, by operating on you, no matter how many operations we do. And it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work that quickly. You know, these are long-term plans and long-term projects. If you're going to, you know, people who lose lots of weight, massive weight loss patients who've gone from like 170 yeah. kilos down to 70 and are left with loose skin. Um, and yes, great. They've done it. Brilliant. Their BMI and everything is now down to a healthy level. Their blood pressure, their diabetes, everything is back to normal. And now they're left with this extra skin. I can't, you know, this is a two, three, four year project to do all these operations to get rid of extra skin. It's not a quick fix. Yeah. And people who flog you surgery equally, you know, we talked about celebs being irresponsible. Surgeons, doctors flogging you quick fixes, I think also really irresponsible. And that, that's the cowboy sector that we should be avoiding. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think um, the, the other thing that I was going to ask you as well about was because obviously, when I was looking over some of the statistics over the last couple of years to do with um, the amount of operations being done, I think obviously there's a bit of a decrease probably due to COVID. But one of the things that I was was curious about, there seems to be a bit of a boom again since we've moved out of the pandemic. And I was wondering, like, what, how much do you think people being at home for that long period of time, looking or being around mirrors a lot more often, us being on Zoom calls and everyone knows that when you're on a Zoom call, you're not looking at anyone else. You're looking at you're looking at yourself yeah, on the you video. Yourself, don't so, you? <laughs> so people are seeing in that in yeah. that period of time their own image a hell of a lot more than they previously would have. How much do you think that's played yeah. into the, the the kind of boom out, out coming out of the pand- pandemic? Sorry. It's interesting because we've had a whole load of things kick in um, recently, and interestingly, cosmetic surgery, um, fitness actually all goes up in times of crisis people start looking at themselves in times of crisis and so 2007 financial crisis actually cosmetic surgery and i think fitness um uh industry stats and everything went up because people start taking care of themselves you start wanting to make yourself better because i don't know you just people start 
wanting to care about maybe it's because you want yourself to be optimal for the job market or more competitive out there um with the pandemic actually interestingly demand went up during the pandemic lockdown one or we were shut down for those three months mm -hmm. march april may or may or april may june or whatever it was from july 2020 I did that, which is why I ended up building this hospital because I, I just saw there being a demand for it. And um, uh, I have never been busier as I was in the summer of 2020. You know, I was doing six nose jobs a week, which is crazy. I do one or two generally. Mm -hmm. um, and that is probably because of the Zoom boom or whatever you want to call it, people, for exactly what you said. And we had this perfect storm. People were at home, people were at home with their family. Um, and then they decided, look, um, I can have surgery and I've got someone to look after me. If I have my face done or my nose done, I, I wear a mask so people won't realize or I can keep the camera turned off. So yeah, there was that. And we're seeing a similar thing now with the current financial crisis as well. People mm -hmm. are, you know, are at home on guard on leave or they've lost their job. And so they then start spending money on themselves. And actually, the UK, no matter how much we think of it, we're not a poor country on average. Yeah. We're actually quite well off and people do have money saved up and then they start spending that on themselves rather than on other people or going off somewhere or whatever. So it is interesting. Yeah, we are. We did see a boom and we are seeing not quite a boom, but we are seeing a steady maintained yeah. increase, I think. And maybe next year it'll all die off when people run out of money and we get properly poor. I don't know. We'll have to see. One of the final questions we have for you. So we obviously work very heavily on social media and there's been a massive, massive increase in the use of filters where mm. it looks like you've had a lot of work done, which I think, I mean, I definitely use them at the start because I was like, oh my God, look at my lips, look at my face. I think everyone used them. I think everyone was really using them. And it got to a stage where companies, if you're doing an ad with them, they would ban you from using the filters because it was yeah. conception. How do you think that affects people in wanting their face done, cosmetic surgery, moving forward? Because I, I, I mean, it's I, it made me yeah. want something, but o I didn't. Also, get do it. you ever, do you ever yeah. see people who come in with like photos themselves with these filters on and say, "I, I, I'd like a look like that"? Not, not really, or maybe it's just the people that come to see me. Um, yeah, because again, social media makes you research your your surgeon, so people are almost filtered out, but not you know, filtered in the other way. Um, by the time they come to see me, they've chosen to see me because they know that this is what I do. Yeah. Um, so not quite, and it's interesting actually, I've spoken about filters previously to someone, um, and it's interesting, I think actually the kids these days, as it were, my kids for example, are wise to it, mm -hmm. they're cleverer than that, and so perhaps you and I, being a little bit older than my kids, we're a little bit more vulnerable to it, perhaps, because we thought, oh, this is great. Mm. Um, and, um, and maybe we fell for it a little bit more than, than the younger generation is doing. Because actually, they now, my, my kids will look at something and go, oh, that's fake, that's filtered, yeah. Yeah. that's not real. You know what? They, 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 I, I have hope for the future in that sense, because um, I'm not one of these people who goes, oh, in my day, we were so much better and so much stronger and so much this, that and the other. And, I'm mentally prepared and look at this snowflake generation. I really think that's rubbish. I think that's total bullshit. Uh, actually, I think the younger generation are wiser, stronger, more researched, more well-read, more rounded um, than, than I ever was at that age. And so, yes, maybe there is this transition where people fall for these filters and go, this is what I want to look like. And, I, and, and actually, 
again, the conversation that me and a patient will have is, look, it's not going to work like that. Okay, it doesn't, I can't give you this filtered look. Um, it's That's not real life. And I think people are, you know, Instagram is not real life. That hashtag, I think, yeah. is now really, really true. And people are really aware of it and, and wise to it. And hopefully going forwards, you know, yes, these filters will be there, but they just become a fun thing rather than a thing to be taken too seriously. Yeah. And that's what I do. You know, there's some really fun, extreme, you know, making you had overfiller, overfilled lips and whatever. There's, there's, there's one I remember posting about, um, and it was a fun thing. And it's like, look, don't fall for, don't fall for the filters. And Instagram's not real life. Yeah, I, I, not really. I don't think it's a real thing, and and, and that's a good thing. I think, and I think it's a good sign. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think with, with some things like that, even from, from our perspective, we can sometimes look at fitness fads, which are not the, the same thing, and think, oh, people don't believe them. But there is actually a lot of people who do fall for them. We speak to them yeah. quite often all the time. So yeah. I think because like we're in positions of like in our industries where we're a position of authority, we sometimes can, can overlook them. But I think there's, there's still like a lot of people who will, will fall into yeah. those traps, unfortunately, which are set Quick by other people. Fixes. Yeah, and one of the other things that you mentioned there, I know that you've got to, to nip, nip off soon because you've got a consultation, is you mentioned about kids. Um, yeah. And I kind of wanted to bring up this topic. I don't think I've spoke about it before. I don't think I've even mentioned it to Lucy before, is about bullying and how sometimes that may come into play because i remember i went to actually have a consultation for i don't know what the exact procedure is called but for my ears years yeah. ago years and years and years ago when i was really young and that was because i i had like a lot of it wasn't bullying but a lot of people like throw insult because i've got like quite mm. sticky out ears um mm. but i went to get the consultation done had had um the initial consultation then never went through with it i kind of yeah. went back on it and it's never really bothered me since but i was i was wondering do you speak to many patients of that younger age who potentially come in because of bullying yeah i mean that is a i mean bullying is a thing at school no matter what yeah. you know that that's been i think forever um and kids can be really nasty you know mm -hmm. they can be vicious um and um and yes, it's interesting actually. Ears are a good example because we used to do prominent ear correction or otoplasty or pinoplasty as the name. Um, that used to happen a lot in the NHS in kids. And actually you would get parents coming through, bringing their kids that are say five years old or younger, saying, oh, I had my ears done because I was bullied at school and I don't want you know my kid to go through that so um and and actually one of the good conversations the good this was when i was training it doesn't happen anymore in the nhs the nhs can't afford it really so it's less and less common but the good bosses that i was training with would say okay look let's um let's think about this okay because actually things are moving on and we're becoming more accepting of difference and you know I was I was the only brown kid in my school growing up in the 80s um, and that eventually has become a, a normal thing but I was bullied for that you know so things change and um, and we were trying to put you know we, we do our best to say look it's probably not a great idea to operate on a kid um, unless they really understand what mm. they're having done, perhaps yeah. maybe they're a bit too young to have it done. So why don't we wait until they're a bit older and let's see, and perhaps when they're grown up, if they want, um, they'll have it done. But one of the things that used to happen that was really annoying was that a few weeks, months later, 
um, this kid was perfectly fine. You go, do your ears bother you? You go, no, I'm not what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and their parents are going, but look at him. Um, and then they come back a few months later and the parents have almost bullied the kid. Wow. Oh, um, that's really sad. Because, you know, almost. And then the kid's yeah. going, oh, I don't like my ears. It's almost yeah. like they've been told to say that. And you're kind of going, right, this is not right. Yeah. Okay. And so that's the sort of thing, you know, actually as parents and kids, I think we we somehow need to be more supporting is really difficult you know bringing up kids is yeah. is, is so tough um and uh, um and trying to do it properly is just impossible um uh, but i think that's the thing we probably should be doing is thinking okay as parents how can we support our kids and you know my kids school is literally just around the corner there which is why i set up here mm-hmm. um uh, you know they were brilliant when it came to that kind of thing um, and it's like, look, we've had, we've heard that this is going on. Can you know they've formed a WhatsApp group and they're, they're not being very nice to each other? And actually, we sorted it out. And it's interesting. We kind of put a stop to it with the support of the school. So again, hopefully, 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 as we're getting better at communicating and sharing and being open, which is essentially what we've what we've talked about with this entire podcast, isn't it? We've talked about being open and honest and yeah. and, 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 and not deceiving and share and communicating and sharing and um, you know as we get better and better and better at doing that, which is what we're doing. You know, it used to be the telegram, then it became the telephone, you know, or postcards and it's turned into the fax mm-hmm. and email and whatever. You know, as we get better and better at communicating, um, I think this sort of stuff will get better. Yeah. You know, body confidence and accepting difference is now such a big thing. You know, we're all different. We're all, none of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. And so eventually I think we'll all accept, well, hopefully the idea is we all accept everyone I'll be, and I'll be out of a job. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that's why it's such a difficult thing, isn't it, with kids? Because they've they've got a long way and a lot, a lot to mature through. And it was the same for me because after a certain amount of time, yeah. I wasn't bothered by it. And I think, again, this would be a, a whole different discussion for another podcast. But that's why I have such an issue when I see the age of some of the young kids who are being almost pushed into the the gender change and the surge that comes yeah. comes with that because they're yeah. just not even of age to be yeah, able to make a decision three. yeah which Some is just crazy it's just yeah, disgusting I mean, there is that is an issue and there have been clinics also that sound like they've been a bit irresponsible and have been you know pushing along this mm. sort of stuff I, I guess it's because we don't quite understand it we don't know it and so as we learn about stuff we'll just get better at managing it mm. so that that yeah that I, you know I, I don't I don't do gender reassignment, gender affirmation type of surgery. It's just not one of my things, mainly because I don't think I understand it. Yeah. And I'll make a mistake. I'll treat someone who shouldn't have been treated and I don't want to risk that. So I've just mm-hmm. said, look, that's not going to be one of my things. Um, uh, sorry, you know, yeah. if someone comes asking for it. Yeah. And I did have someone recently who came asking for a breast reduction operation. We had a long conversation about, are you after a breast reduction? Because she was sort of a... Uh, a tomboy type of character, as we would have called them yeah. when I was growing up. And she said, you know, I am quite boyish in the way I present myself. Um, and um, and I said, are you after a reduction or are you after actually top surgery because you want your chest to look like a male chest? Mm-hmm. And she went, I don't think so, but I'm glad you brought it up because I have thought about it mm-hmm. and I'll let you know. And I basically said to her, well, if it is top surgery, then I know someone really good. And again, a good surgeon will send you to yeah. someone that's someone better else. than them. Yeah. Okay. So if it is that, then I'll send you to see my mate, who's mm. amazing. 
If not, if you are after a breast reduction, I'm really good at that, so stay with me. Mm-hmm. You know, so come back and talk to me if that's what you decide. If not, send an email and we'll put you in touch with this other surgeon yeah. who I yeah. think is really good. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah, so I think yeah, again, being honest, being upfront, safe, you know, that's what we started off talking about, is just staying safe. Yeah. Um, I think it's the most important thing. Yeah, I don't even believe there's enough evidence at the moment to say or even prove the fact that if people are making those long-term changes surgically to change gender, that yeah, that's even really making people feel yeah. better or happier long-term. Um, again, yeah, because it's, yeah, I it's so new. Yeah, we, I think that it does sound quite messy at the moment. Yeah. If I, if to me, as, a, as someone who doesn't really get this and hasn't studied it and isn't yeah. going to pretend to understand it, I'm not going to pretend I know this. I'm, I'm, ju- I'm just not. You know, I'm yeah. a simple surgeon, as it were. But... Yeah, I'm hoping the clever people out there will clear this up for us and we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll understand it better and we'll, we'll manage it better. Yeah, we appreciate, we know how busy you are as well. Yeah. So we appreciate your time so much. It's been a very, very insightful podcast. And for our listeners, where is the best place that they can find you? So, I mean, I don't, um, my Instagram feed is probably the easiest way, which is Real Plastics. Um, the clinic is Real Clinic UK. Um, so that, yeah, look me up on there, send us a message. Um, I don't give medical advice on social media, but you know, make contact yeah. and then, you know, we can fix up to see you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Come see me. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you for, for having me. You know, it's been great actually. I, I, I really enjoy these things. They're really nice oh, to do a little bit different to my everyday world. Yeah. So it's been <laughs> a nice start to the day. Yeah. We, we appreciate your, your time. And again, for everyone who's watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify or Apple, please uh, feel free to tag myself, Lucy and Navin, any of the, the Instagram posts and drop any questions and continue to to share the podcast because we hope this episode will really help other people as well. Yeah, and we will catch you in next week's episode. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.